afternoon. It's six minutes after the hour. This is the Around the House program. Good to have you with us on this holiday weekend. We're glad uh, you're spending some time here with us. Uh, we do this every Saturday. In my 31st year now with the Around the House program, I'm Ken Moon. Nice to have you have you here. I took a week off uh, last week. Chris and I are back together and um, ready for your phone calls. If you want to check in with us, 719-473-1240 is the phone number. And um, oh, I, could, I haven't talked to Chris about this, but I guess I can do it on the air about went to Iowa. <clears throat> and Iowa, it's, I don't know if you spent a lot of time, Chris, in Iowa or not. Their weather is interesting. Uh, and when I was getting ready to leave, I got through it was reasonably good weather. And I, the day I was scheduled to fly out, that we got forecast of frozen mix. And when you hear frozen mix in yeah. Iowa, it can be anything, right? Yeah. yeah that's yeah. Midwest. Yeah. It can be, it, it, and we got, we got, we got rain, sleet, snow, slush, you name it. We got it. But thank, thankfully we got all the way to home. My, my son take, took me to Omaha airport, but frozen mix, you kind of don't know what you're going to encounter. And they don't know either. I guess depends on the temperatures and, um, among other things, and but they do good plowing there, the freeways. So. Well, I mean, especially when you saw some of the freezing rain and snow that was in western Nebraska earlier, yeah, uh, in the week too. So. Yeah, yeah, that's all Midwest stuff. Not not as common here, thankfully. But anyway, good to see the family, the grandkids. Uh, I was just telling Chris, you know, I like Christmas. It's better with little kids around, which I don't have in my life right now. My grandchildren uh, are medium to large, <laughs> so they're in their 20s, give or take. Uh, uh, so, but I still like Christmas. Uh, but I told Chris, and I, I don't know if I should admit this or not, I'm kind of glad every year when it's over, kind of get sort of back to normal, I guess. But it's a wonderful time of the year. You eat and drink too much, but you have to, it's like going on a cruise, you Give yourself permission to eat and drink too much, and and uh, it's good to be with family and friends, and and uh, it's good to be back with you all, though. And we're we're uh, delighted that you're going to spend some time with us here today on the on the radio seven one nine four seven three twelve forty. Lots to talk about today. I got this really uh, weird uh, a piece in the Wall Street Journal today about electric trucks, electric semi trucks in California, and uh, you you won't be surprised at how goofy that has all become, especially for these poor truck drivers. We'll do that a little later. But whatever's on your mind, give us a call. We'd love to hear from you. Uh, here's a, and I don't have an email uh, citation. I usually try to identify who sends these to me. This one, um, Chris, I don't know if you've heard this before. How many dogs does it take to change a light bulb? Have you heard that before? It's pretty Maybe not this particular version. With, okay, let's see if, we, you've, if you've heard this before. This is pretty cute, though. These are... If you're a dog lover, I'm a, more of a cat guy, but we'll, we'll we'll get to the end here. We'll see what's going on. Golden Retriever. The sun's shining. The day's young. We've got our whole lives ahead of us, and you're inside worrying about a light bulb? Good Golden Retriever, right? Optimistic. Border Collie. Just one. And then I'll replace any wiring that's not up to code. <laughs> a Dachshund. You know I can't reach that stupid bulb. Why are you asking me? Rottweiler. Make me. I like that one boxer who cares i can still play with my squeaky toys in the dark labrador i like this one. Oh me me please let me change the light bulb can i can i can i um please labrador german shepherd <laughs> i'll change it as soon as i've led these people from the dark check to make sure i haven't missed any and make just one more perimeter patrol to see no one has tried to take advantage 
of the dark situation in the house. Jack Russell Terrier. I'll just pop it in while I'm bouncing off the walls and furniture. <laughs> Old English Sheepdog, light bulb. I'm sorry, I don't see a light bulb. Right? Uh, you, you get that one. Cocker Spaniel. Why change it? I can still pee on the carpet in the dark. Anyway, Chihuahua. We don't need no stinking light bulb. You saw that one coming, right, Chris? Greyhound. It isn't moving, so who cares? How many dogs ch- take change the light bulb? Australian Shepherd. First, I'll put all the light bulbs in a little circle, right? Poodle. <laughs> this is cute, too. I'll just blow in the border collie's ear and he'll do it. By the time he finishes rewiring the house, my nails will be dry. <laughs> oh, and so finally, how many cats does it take to change a light bulb? Cats don't change light bulbs. People change light bulbs. So the real question is, how long will it be before I can expect some light some dinner and a massage. Once again, proving cats, uh, uh, dogs have masters, cats have staff. You've heard that before. That's pretty cute. I wish I could credit whoever sent that to me. It's kind of a cute, cute thing for you dog lovers out there and cat lovers too. We got the last word, didn't we? 719-473-1240. You were asking me, Chris, about uh, his sister sent him a, a nice display case he wants to hang on his wall. We were talking about uh, having heavy things on the wall before mm-hmm. we went on the air. And I recommended what used to be called Hercules hooks. I didn't see that. It's a brand name, but it's a, it's a, it's kind of a half circular piece of wire with a little hook sticking out. Uh, and it, 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 it's a wonderful invention because it just takes a little tiny hole in the drywall. Then you thread this kind of half circular loop of wire inside the drywall cavity and just the little hooks hanging out when you're done and it it, it can hold lots of weight the the uh, literature says up to 100 pounds i don't know if i try 100 pounds but i have some heavy clocks at home that are hanging on those hooks and that way chris you don't have to find a stud you can center it in the wall you know a lot of times when we look for a stud it isn't in the right place to center things and 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 all that um, you could use a stud finder and uh, a, you know a laser and all that but these hercules hooks man they're just great and if you make a mistake and need to move it up an inch or so it's fine it, you just put another tiny hole i mean like an eighth inch hole in the in the drywall so there's an idea for you now the trick you said your display case has two hangers on the back yes it's got two of the those little saw rigs serrated yes yeah hangers yeah now a couple of things you need to measure because it sounds funny but i've seen this many times is the serrated hook is each hook exactly the same distance below the top of the frame because sometimes in the factory they'll they'll be off oh an eighth of an inch three three sixteenths or something and that will mean your 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 display case won't hang level so if they're in the exact place on the frame that's the first step the second step, of course, would be just do some accurate measuring from the floor or from the ceiling, or if you have a laser, a laser level. Th- those are not very expensive. They're pretty clever in terms of getting things, you know, on the wall level and stuff. So, is there like a certain prerequisite on certain some of these items where it's have to have a certain amount of like breathing room on the top there, especially if you had like a a, a roof. Uh, air vent or something like that no not really i mean uh, it, it, as long as it's down a few inches below the ceiling you're uh you're fine so those hercules i think 
I, and they're really, I, I didn't, I sent you the link. They're pretty inexpensive, aren't they? There is a 10 pack for, I don't know, well, how much was it? Five or six bucks? Something like that? Yeah, it was about 10 bucks. Oh, 10 bucks. Okay. So a dollar a piece. But they're really handy to have around. I have some heavy clocks at home. When I say heavy, I mean they're 10 ish pounds or less. But uh, these Hercules hooks are great because when you want to take the thing down and maybe move it somewhere else or or give it to Goodwill or something, you're just left with this little tiny hole to spackle and make it invisible. So, yeah, those are a really good thing. Now, stud finders, of course, are very handy. There are also mollies and butterfly um, uh, fasteners. Uh, uh, there's all kinds of fasteners, but... These hooks for most things are really, really do a nice job. So anyway, and the conventional little little picture hooks with the little hook on them mm-hmm. and the the nail that goes in at an angle, for lightweight stuff, those are the answer because, again, they can be moved up, down, or sideways without leaving hardly any uh, residual holes. So works pretty well. So, it, it just it depends on the uh, on the, the amount of weight you put on the on the cabinet there. Yeah, how I mean, how much does your display case weigh? Do you have any idea? Uh, I'm figuring probably in the 15, 20 pound yeah range. Two, I mean, it's twenty eight inches tall. So you could probably get by with one Hercules hook, but as long as those two hooks are there, again, most people miss that step. Um, if in the factory they got in a hurry, I've seen this where one of the hooks is just enough below. The other one, in terms of the relationship to the frame, hmm. that you step back and you say, oh, God, I don't know if you're like me, OCD, want things to be perfectly level. So you have to check that. But that, you know, I think you'll, I think that'll work nicely for you. So Yeah, that's why, I mean, I've got another uh, display uh, frame uh, on another wall where I've got two, I've got two little brackets up on the wall. Uh, right. But when I've got this huge picture frame with some pins in it, it's, I guess could make make sure it's in place right there so it doesn't shift out of balance. Yeah, you got it. Well, you got to make sure that yeah the serrations are in the right place so it you can kind of feel it kind of drop down onto the hook. You know what I'm saying? Right. Just a, just a little bit. You got to make sure that you actually. Otherwise, if it's teetering on one of the points of the serrations, it can fall off the wall. But you you, you know all that. Yeah, yeah, that's fine. All right, time for a break. Seven one nine four seven three twelve forty is our phone number, and we have live email at around the house. We'd love to hear from you. Uh, Happy New Year. And uh, we'd love to uh, have you check in with us right here on Around the House. Hey, be honest now. How's your garage door look? Does it look tired and old? Maybe it's been hailed on. I've got good news. Right now, Wayne Dalton's having a sale. Wayne Dalton Sales and Service through the end of the month, which, uh, you know, they'll end of the month is tomorrow. So they'll let you give a little slack next week. They have a sale of 150 off a double door, 75 off a single. When you mention around the house and they have lots of doors in stock. And in case you think garage doors have to look boring, oh, there's some great uh, wood grain impression plank doors in all kinds of styles contemporary traditional down at their showroom 1847 south murray right off of fountain go over near near the police station over in that part of part of town stop in it's a great showroom to browse or call 719-382-9227 they're also a genie dealer the genie has that new uh door side opener that you'll really will love so stop by wayne Dolan sales and service 1847 south murray or 382-9227 from your faucet to your furnace and everywhere in between ken moon has solutions around the house 
Give them a call now at 719-473-1240. That's 719-473-1240. It's 21 minutes after the hour, and as we've said many times, uh, no stupid questions on Around the House. I know there's some people, there's a tendency, I don't want to call uh, a talk radio because I'll ask something and they'll make fun of me or put me down or because you know, there are some hosts that are not as patient as I am. I'm uh, I'm kind of a patient guy, and we just I always learn from callers, and we've said that before, right, Chris? No stupid questions, just stupid producers. <laughs> okay, if you have it your way, I guess. So we'd love to hear from you today. Anything going on around that? special place the precious place that you call home give us a call 719-473-1240 vic uh, says lately our two-year-old dishwasher leaves some detergent at the end of the cycle the dishes aren't really clean we we do have well water could that be part of the problem well it can be uh you know your well water may be a little on the hard side i don't know if you've done a hardness test or not you can get a kit at the hardware store to test the hardness seven grains of hardness is uh considered hard seven grains or above is considered hard it measures the magnesium and calcium ions in the water and you know soap uh, to uh, it just needs softer water than that seven grains so you might a couple of things you can do here measure your hardness and you might want to get yourself a water softener if you don't have one uh, right now the Procter and Gamble website. I haven't checked this in a lot. PG.com has some real great dishwasher tips in there about water temperature, hardness, the amount of soap to use. So go to PG.com. Um, but um, you, you might want to use uh, a little less soap. Maybe your water is not as hard as you think it is. Uh, but you said your dishes weren't clean. So that leads me to want to investigate the. Uh, the uh, dishwasher itself are those spray arms clogged do they spin properly uh, water may not be hot enough if you have a, a, a high temp sometimes on water on dishwashers you can choose high temp wash and high temp rinse you want to choose those because it'll heat the water up you want your incoming water to be 120 degrees if you have no little kids or uh, like disabled people in the house, I'd get it up to 130, even even up to 140, uh, because the hotter the water, the more cleaning the dishwasher will do. So there's some ideas for you. Take those spray arms apart with and take an awl or a piece of wire and clean the gunk out. Uh, make sure, and and you can also check to see if they're spinning uh, by uh, you know lining them up, say pointing towards the front of the door and then running uh, the cycle for a, a few seconds and see if they're in a different position. That'll tell you if they're rotating. So there's some some things to check out. If you don't have a if you have hard water and don't have a water softener, uh, I would get one. They're not that expensive, particularly if you can plumb them in yourself, which is relatively easy. A water softener, you'll the whole family will love it because showering and shampooing and bathing and clothes washing will go so much. So much better, but and most people I think I can say this: most people, um, when they have a well, have hard water. So there's hope that's helpful to you, Vic. Appreciate the email. We've got uh, Ed on the line now uh, on line one. Let's get Ed on the phone on the line. Uh, what am I trying to say? On the air right now. Hi, Ed. What's going on? Well, I'm getting in the process of putting in a new roof, and uh, 
when they peeled off a section at the very, very top, they saw a gap in between the, the under decking. And uh, so the roof was concerned that, you know, we might have to put sheeting over the whole roof. It's our other old house, so it's got one by four decking. And uh, I didn't want to do that, so check the code. The code says you can have a quarter of an inch between your, your gaps. So then the region building guy said, well, you can cover that gap. Yeah. Is, and, uh, Ed, this is at the very peak of the roof? Yeah, right, right near the top. Yeah, yeah listen, I've, I've been, I was in the building business for 25 years, and uh, trust me, I've seen uh, up to an inch uh, or, or even a little more. Uh, it, it's hard to get that perfectly lined up because the trusses don't all meet in the same you know the same line one truss is a little ahead of the other so you know what i'm saying so a little gap up there and the reason it's okay is because you're going to put a layer of cap shingles on top of the regular shingles you see what i'm saying yeah so you got okay. double protection up there i wouldn't uh, i wouldn't worry about it is um, well what, what my roofer initially said was <laughs> they were going to have to put a 7 16 inch sheeting over the entire roof and of course that was considered several thousand dollars i said wow let's let's back off on this a minute and so then when i talked to regional building they said well you can have a quarter of an inch so bottom line is i went up and looked underneath actually videotape it my decky's in in pretty good shape yeah uh, there's a gap in between the decking my first question for you is when you put that decking on say one by four don't you want a little a little gap between the decking now well let me back up how old is your house 55 1955 so do you think so you have plywood up there or do you have boards? I got one by fours. Oh, one, one by, by fours. Board. Okay. So, sorry. I'm I'm here's me uh, a duh visualing plywood. Yeah, a little gap doesn't hurt anything. Um, as a matter of fact, you could make a case where it'll allow the roof to breathe a little bit and maybe dissipate a little heat. So I yeah. would not I would not worry about it. No, I yeah, I I understood that, that that if you put sheeting on for that matter too that you want to get so that so allow for expansion so it wouldn't buckle or anything like that. that well, that's, but, yeah, I, I don't think that, you know, usually there's enough discrepancy in the, in the lining up the sheets that there's always a little gap anyway. But, um, okay. yeah, I, I listen, I think you're fine. That roof has been fine for 60-something years. And, and, oh, yeah, uh, I've had to replace it. I've had no problem. The only reason I was doing it was because it's an old roof, and I thought, well, maybe I should it's time to maybe replace it. and But I didn't want to have to put sheeting over the entire roof. Let me ask you the last question. Yeah. If you were going to say you had a gap greater than a quarter, I don't think I do, but let's say it's a half or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Uh, can't you just cover that? My, my roofer indicated he would put metal metal covering. Is that what they would do? Well, I don't even know why he's worried about it. A quarter-inch gap, because it's covered with a layer of felt, or I say felt, it's it's an underlayment. Usually they use a yeah, polymer now, the plastic right. stuff, and a layer of shingles. A quarter-inch, the roofing will bridge right over it. I mean, it's not like people are up there in high-heeled shoes dancing around, so so right, right. I, I would not worry about it. Now, if, if the gap, if we get too much gap then then you can make a case that it makes a vulnerable weaker area for hail to do damage you see what i'm saying um yeah what he yeah what this roofer said he ran into in downtown Colorado springs older homes and they got into some roofs where they were just you know one inch just big giant oh, yeah, yeah. all over the place and they made him made him they, they said you're going to have to cover this whole thing with sheeting and and so that's what he was concerned what, about what i here. think what, excuse me, I, I, I cut you off there. I didn't mean to. Right. I, and right. I think 
what he's referring to are the old cedar shingles not cedar shakes now in older parts of town and you you if you look around you can you may still see a few of these I, i'm not sure but especially areas near downtown like up boulder and places like that um close in um cedar shingles were all the rage back a hundred years ago and these were yeah. unlike shakes these were really uh, a very very uniform thin shingles and they were required to have spaced sheathing uh, uh space sheathing being boards that you intentionally leave a couple inches between boards so the shingles can breathe so that was a requirement and if you run across one of those roofs you got to put new sheathing over it because those spaces are usually you know inch to to two inches but that was oh, okay. intentional that, that makes, so cedar shingles yeah. could breathe yeah what's that that makes sense to me the last last thing the code i guess says that you, you can have a quarter inch. If you've got greater, then you have to cover it. And Mike, would metal covering, is that what they would do? Or do you have any idea? I wouldn't do, I wouldn't cover with anything. I would just let that roof breathe. It's been there for over 60 years. Uh, I would just shingle right over the top. I wouldn't worry about it. So, okay. Hey, thanks a lot for your, for your info. No, that's it. fine. No, I appreciate your, your call, Ed. Uh, that's, that's a great question. Hey, listen, happy new year. I'll, I'll, I'm glad you called. Thanks. Same to you. Okay. And, take care. Yeah, the cedar shingles were it was it really made a pretty roof. You know, shakes are sort of split, hand split, so they have different thicknesses, high low, high low. Cedar shingles were intentionally milled so they were a uniform thickness, usually I think about three eighths of an inch, something like that. Where you see a lot of cedar shingles to this day is if you go along the seacoast, Cape Cod, places like that back in New England, cedar shingles were used on walls. And they would turn that kind of mellow grayish brown as they weathered in the salt air. So cedar shingles are still very prevalent, not on roofs so much, but on wall coverings back back east. But we used them here on roofs, but they had to breathe underneath. Uh, and you just had to have that open sheathing so you could equalize the moisture on each side of the cedar shingle. So we still see a few roofs like that, in which case uh, with those big gaps – you have to cover it with new plywood or OSB or something like that. Anyway, that's probably more in the weeds than we should be today, but that's okay. But thanks, Ed. That's, that's a good question. 719-473-1240. We're going to take another break. We'll be back. And we have live email, by the way, at aroundthehouse.com. So give us a call. Well, I want to thank Brian from Three Amigos Plumbing. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, he was a guest on the program. Really had a good interview with, with Brian. Uh, Amigos, Three Amigos Plumbing is a fun name for a seriously professional plumbing company. If you're tired of f- people that come to your house and, and don't tell you what it's going to really cost and you get sticker shock at the end, uh, Three Amigos has honest, upfront pricing. No surprises when you get the bill from Three Amigos because they want you as a long-term customer. It's a veteran-owned company, local company. I want you to give them a call. They have good prices on Bradford White and Ream Water Heaters, my favorite brand. But whether it's a tiny drip from a faucet or a, a major drain cleaning situation, I want you to call Three Amigos at 719-597-6763. At last, an honest, upfront pricing a veteran-owned, honest plumbing company. I want you to call them. If your sewer line uh, is giving you trouble, that's one of their specialties. So call them. Tell them I sent you. Three Amigos Plumbing, 719-597-6763. 
From your roof to your foundation and everywhere in between, Ken Moon has solutions around the house. Give him a call now at 719-473-1240. That's 719-473-1240. Hey, it's 23 minutes before the hour on Around the House. I'm, we've got an article I want to tease a little bit. Teasing is to keep you listening here, of course, on the program about electric semi-trucks in California. It's turning into an, oh my, roll your eyes kind of situation uh, you'll kind of get a kick out. I was in the Wall Street Journal this morning. In the meantime, we have a roofer, uh, a professional roofer on the line. Mark, uh, are you with us on line one? Yes, I'm here. Hey, Mark. Hi. You were going to comment on the caller we had a few minutes ago uh, about uh, his older home. Go ahead. Yeah, I just I just wanted to make sure that uh, uh, your listeners were in, uh, a little bit more informed in the conversation you were having there with Ed uh, in reference to uh, apparently when he was getting a re-roof that he had what we call either space or skip decking um, originally when the house was built. Um, and going back to what, what he had mentioned, um, uh, yes, according to uh, Pike Peak Regional Department Code, you can't have anything greater than a one-quarter inch gap in between those, regardless of whether or not it's the one-by-four um, plank decking yeah. or even, say, four-by-eight sheathing or OSB that we commonly use in the industry. Yeah, he was saying he was saying he thought he was. That's about what he had. Apparently, Mark, I'm, I hope I'm picturing this correctly. He had just regular roofing boards. You know, they used to take them off the foundation and turn them upside down, and you know, put them on the uh, on the rafters. So I think he's just got regular boards, not the old cedar shingle space sheathing. Was that your impression also? Yes, I, that was kind of my impression as well. Um, and a lot of times, you were correct when you when you spoke of those actual uh, wood shingles. They get they spaced those out for breathable purposes, and they would they would just the nailing surface would be directly onto those planks, and there could be a little bit of gap for you know moisture and things to evaporate and wick away. How how far? Um, remind, in, I I said two inches. How far apart? When you had the cedar shingles, would they space those boards for the breathing? It was an inch or two, was it? I've seen them. I've seen them anywhere from from a couple of inches all the way up to almost four inches. Wow. Okay. Um, and basically, okay. the the body of the shingle itself would would cover that four inch gap. Yeah. Uh, or the, the the face of it, or in the field. Um, and so, yeah, that was very common, you know, a hundred years ago, as you mentioned. Um, but as to current modern day code, if, if you, and we do experience that a lot, especially in old town, Colorado Springs and things of those natures where the, you know, the house is built in the early 1900s yeah. that us as, uh, us as actual roofers, what we have to do, we have two options. Essentially, we can go in and completely remove those plank or, or skip decking the boards and actually go back on with a solid piece of sheathing. Right. Or, right. In turn, what you do, and is very common, and it's more cost-effective, and is acceptable in, in common practice with Pikes Peak Regional Building Department, is we just take our four by eight sheathing, our OSB or, or plywood, and and go directly over it, as Ed was mentioning in your call earlier. Yeah. That their his potential roofer was <clears throat> uh, suggesting to do. So yeah, you, got the two, you got the two options with yeah, that. Yeah, I did. Metal, as he said, the metal strips. I would not suggest, you know, just putting in the metal strips to cover that up. That's not, uh, it, it, it's not a real viable solution. I had not heard of the metal strips before. What do you think? Is, is that like the uh, the filler strips we use on siding? Was that what they were talking about? It's 
somewhat similar to that is basically just flat stock metal seating. It's about, usually it's like, you know, 24 or 18 gauge, somewhere in that area. Yeah. And they'll just put strips to cover up those gaps. Uh, and and uh, like I said, it's, it, 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 I've seen it used. Uh, we it, it, uh, professionals very rarely actually do that, um, just because it's not it's not a really good solution. In no, because then you then you you try to uh, staple through it and uh, hits the metal and all that. Um, I would think it would be kind of a mess. Um, but let me ask you, uh, take off your roofer hat just for a minute, because I'm trying to sure. get some perspective here. I mean, we we put board uh, one by four boards on a on a, a roof 70 years 70 years ago whatever how old ever old his house was 65 70 years ago uh by now there's going to be a gap here and a gap there maybe a little over a quarter how do you uh do you think the city's being kind of overkill on this what do you think about quarter inch sounds like it's pretty narrow what do you think so, no, actually, I, I don't. And the reason why I do is be, I say this is because in modern day roofing, and even even just me, just from a construction standpoint, the the biggest thing that we need is what we call is a a nailable surface. Right. So take for example, if we if we're putting shingles back onto a roof, um, to get a 120 mile an hour wind rating on that particular shingle, you need six nails in each each shingle. Okay? Right. An architectural shingle. So what what can happen when you have those gaps, even if they are down to even a quarter of an inch or larger, is you run the risk of possibly not having a nailable surface. So take for example that that nail course that goes across there, you could potentially miss and shoot that uh, nail right through that gap. You see what I'm saying? Yeah, I do. I do. I so, do. Uh, well, it, it, it's Ed so sounds the biggest concern. Ed sounded to me like most of his roof was okay and. So I, I don't know what he's going to yeah. do, but but um, uh, anyway, I, th- that's great information. I appreciate that. Hey, let me ask. I'm going to pick your brain for a second here. Um, I keep sure. we we hear of course about class three and class four hail resistant uh, shingles. Is there a way for the consumer to walk? I mean, let's say the uh, we're we're buying a house uh, and we're told by the seller yeah, it's got a class four roof on it. Other than the invoice, is there a way for a consumer or a home inspector to walk up to a roof and say, "Yeah, that's class four, Or you'd have to you have to turn the shingles over. Basically, what's the story on that? So yeah, there, there are some ways. Uh, the best way to be able to do it is what it is, is there's a fiberglass, fiberglass woven mesh that's integrated into the, the, the architectural shingle that gives that, you know, that, that, that rating. Yeah. Um, and they rate, the, they rate that on, uh, on, a, on a certain height on the size of a steel ball that they drop down onto that shingle to achieve that class three or class four rating. Is there a way for the average consumer to just tell by looking or not really? Yes, there is. But, but what, and the way to do that is I would say, you know, you obviously get up, get on the ladder safely, get up uh, to, the, to the ridge of the um, rake of your roof, and you can, you can lift up this, this, the first course of shingles uh-huh. and look underneath there. And what you'll see, if it is a class four um, shingle or roof, you will see the white fibrous lines going in cross sections on the underneath side of the matting of the of the shingle, and that would be a really good indication. If you see that, then yes, it would be a, a class four um, 
roof system. Yeah, I, ha- I ran across a, a couple the other day buying a house, and they said um, uh, that they had a class four. They're buying this house, class four shingles, and they got a, a discount, sixty bucks a month off of their insurance bill, which is that's that's, that's good money, isn't it? Yeah, it can be very substantial, and and here here in, along all along the front range is, is as everyone pretty much well knows if they they've owned a house here very long, it's only a matter of time before you'll be replacing that roof due to hail. Um, the class four shingle is is not is not hail proof, but it, it definitely does you know uh, do a fantastic job you know defending against some of the smaller storms that we get impacted with here along the front range. Um, and it also does uh, every insurance company that I'm aware of that we work with uh, does give us uh, sometimes a very substantial discount on their policies um, based upon having that system um, in place. So yeah, it is, it is pretty important. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I when I first got here, and I don't know if this is a good number. You may have a comment on this. Uh, so, somewhere I read or heard from somebody that every given neighborhood in the Pikes Peak region. Every nine years, I don't know if this is true in Wyoming or Pueblo or places like that. Every nine years, on average, uh, you get a hailstorm strong enough to replace the roof. Does that sound like a reasonable number? At least, yeah. Some, yeah. We're seeing some that are even more more closer to the five six yeah, year yeah. Uh, range, depending on kind of where you're at, how close you are, say to Cheyenne Mountain, things of that nature that cause some of these upward, you know, drifts and 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 uh, the circling of the winds and things like that that causes you know some of the larger hail that really do impact and cause you know significant damage you know up 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 until last year for three or four years there wasn't hardly any hail at all and i know why we're getting hail now it's because all you roofers were praying for hail night and day i know you were now you you can't fool me i i i'm not gonna i'm not gonna <laughs> deny that no, I, I understand i understand <laughs> if you wait long enough around here you're gonna get hail right buddy Anyway, yeah. So yeah. So it's, it, it is what it is. It's a fact of Mother Nature, and and we all just yeah. kind of work through it. And you know, it's, it's the advantage of living in this in this beautiful part yeah. of the country. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Mark, that's all good information. Thanks for checking in with us. I appreciate it. You have a good one. Yeah, no worries. Anybody have any questions? Feel free to give us a call at Interstate Interstate Roofing. Roofing. Yeah, thanks for for uh, checking in with us. Seven one nine four seven three twelve forty. Time for a break. We'd love to hear from you today, and we have live email aroundthehouse.com. Give us a call, and we'll be right back. Well, with New Year's here, it's time to make a resolution about getting that house of yours uh, spiffed up a little, especially the outside. If your house is looking a little tired, maybe it needs some new siding or maybe you need some energy efficient windows. You got those ugly old steel, wood or aluminum windows from the old days. It's time to get some energy efficient windows on your house. In either case, siding, patio covers, windows, exterior doors, you want to call Dutch's home improvement i know you've heard their name they've been around over 30 years and the reason they have is they have a great commitment to good old-fashioned customer service and they have the best installers in town of course fully licensed and insured energy efficient windows will save you money winter and summer and they'll make your house look younger than its actual age so if you're staying put because of goofy interest rate increases and 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 unknowns about the market Give Dutchess a call, 719-392-1369. And if you're going to stick in that castle of yours, get it spiffed up. Dutchess Home Improvement, 719-392-1369. 
Need help with your next home project? Back to Around the House with Ken Moon. Give him a call now at 719-473-1240. That's 719-473-1240. Hey, it's uh, eight minutes before the hour now on the Around the House program. Don't forget the podcast of the show. Uh, we uh, have podcasts going back, oh, I don't know, a year and a half or so now. It's from July of 2022, I think, Chris. Yeah, and uh, so they're right there segment by segment. You can go to my website, aroundthehouse.com, click on podcast, or you can go to the krdo.com radio uh, website and, uh, and and download them, listen to them on your PC or your laptop, whatever, and uh, uh, knock yourself out there. Chris will have the podcast of uh, this program, today's show, within an oh, usually an hour or two, depending on what other chores he has to do. And uh, so uh, they're available there. And my, podcasts of my previous shows, uh, the Denver-based program, are online at Apple Podcasts going back to 2016, I believe, about 400 of them. So, yeah, um, uh, so they're available. Uh, and I appreciate your checking out the podcast and downloading them. It's, um, uh, it looks like we're getting a lot of uh, use and feedback of our podcasting. John, uh, our buddy west of Cheyenne, uh, John, you're, uh, you, you got through the weather and you're, uh, you're doing okay, I hope. Hope you had a good holiday. Oh. Yeah, I did. I wanted to call and wish you a, Merry, uh, a Happy New Year and a Merry Christmas. Thank you. I hope you had a good holiday yourself. Yep. But, With family and friends, grandkids know, and all that, you on. bet. Yeah. Yeah. You had that gentleman on earlier talking about roofing. And the best money out of pocket we ever spent was in 2016 when we upgraded to a metal roof. Sure, sure. I have, since that had happened, we have had hail. Unless you're two feet from where it hit, you can't tell that there's hail damage. And the insurance company is like, they gave me a, a little bit bigger discount if I don't put a cosmetic um, claim in. But you now, can't now, now, John, do you have the traditional ribbed metal roofing, the slick stuff, or do you have the powder-coated metal? No, I have, this, I have the slick stuff. With the, um, with the ribs on it, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it has... Not the standing ridge. The they had the panels have ridges, but they one sits on top of the other. Oh, so, you don't, not, not the standing seam. Okay. I not the standing seam. No. Yeah. Okay. That's fine. Like, well, in yeah. your part of the world, that slick sir, you know, you want to get rid of that snow quickly, and that's the way to do it, right? Oh, absolutely. The scary thing is when we get spring snows, that heavy wet stuff. Um, it'll sit on top of the dormer and then it never fails. It's three o'clock in the morning. It'll slide off the dormer, hit the rest of the roof yeah. and then hit the deck and sound like a bomb going off. Now, do you have the little ice hooks over your, uh, patio doors and front door and so on? You know what? No, I, they didn't put them in. And instead of having them put in for the extra weight, I went to, uh, Home Depot and bought what they call the roof rake. Yeah, yeah, which is just a piece of plastic, like a shovel reversed on a 20-foot pole, uh-huh. and you can just pull the snow right off the roof, and then I don't worry about it, and then I, you know, take snowblower and blow it into the wind. I, but okay. by doing that, I get, this, <laughs> I get the snow off the roof faster. 
Now, John, just for sense? our rest of our audience, John is between uh, Laramie and Cheyenne, south of I-80 out there in God's country where the wind blows and the snow blows. And uh, I got to ask you, John, <laughs> we haven't talked about this before. How about gutters and icicles and things? How do you handle that? I have just, when the guys that came out, and I'm going to, it was one of your old sponsors that I used when they put the roof on, uh-huh. uh, Drury Brothers. Yeah, uh-huh. Um, the guy came out and he looked and he goes, you know what? You could probably use new gutters at the same time. I have my gutter machine with me. Uh, we'll charge you an extra $500 and put gutters on it. Okay. Good. You know, seamless gutters. And he was able to match the color. Perfect. The sheen was slightly different, but again, you can't tell unless you're about two feet from it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Do you have to have in your part of the world, do you need some uh, heat cables? Like on the north side, or no? The wind, no. The wind takes care of that. No buildup, right? Uh, no buildup. No. Yeah. Because we have a ten twelve pitch. Oh, okay, sure. Pretty, so, pretty like steep. I said, between the ten twelve pitch and the roof rake, it pulls right down. But for I get a discount also on the fire part. Sure. Of my homeowners because of the roof. So when people are looking at a new roof, don't just blow off a metal roof because the insurance discounts are nice to have the other thing is not worrying about the uh having the you know every time a hailstorm am i gonna have to put another roof on the house yeah yeah i mean um the other nice thing in the 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 installers were great that worked for jury on the west side of my house so he laid the shingles from sa- uh, the sheets from south to north, so all the seams are facing south, away from the prevailing wind. Very, very so there's nice. Nothing for it to grab up underneath. Yeah. And then he he knew he saw the wind one day, and he went and got extra and he put two extra rows of screws. <laughs> okay. In this above what he would normally do. Sure, sure. But the work on that west side, but the way they did it, if you've ever seen them do the metal roof. He had a long drill bit, and he had all the sheets together, and he drilled, pre-drilled all the holes. Sure. So the screws are lined up perfect. From Beautiful. One end. Well, I, I think so, if the covenants will allow it, and if you're in a place with extra snow as you are, I think a metal roof is a wonderful yeah. uh, choice. Well, it's fairly, it's somewhat hail resistant <laughs> anyway, but to get rid of that snow load and ice, uh, I think it's the oh, answer. Yeah. And, and I would say, unless you get probably going up to golf ball size hail, it's not even going to bend because I think mine's twenty six gauge metal, if I remember yeah. right. John, I so need to run the news. Thank you for calling, and one. you have a happy new year. I'll talk to you soon. You too, Ken. Thank you. You take care. Our old buddy John has been calling into the show for years, uh, west of Cheyenne, between Laramie and Cheyenne's good guy, and we're so grateful for callers like John and you. We'll be right back after the news. after the hour part two of around the house good to have you with us here on this beautiful weekend we hope it's beautiful where you are and we would love it if you check in with us 719-473-1240 i'm ken moon we've been doing this now over 30 years on a saturday and we're so glad you're you're with us check in with us if you want to talk about anything that's on your mind having to do with that special place that you call home and as we said many times 
No stupid questions. We always learn things from callers, and uh, we have a couple of good, two or three, well, three good calls last hour that were great, and I learned a couple of things from each one of them. So, um, if uh, if you want to check in, let's say we'll we'll treat you with kid gloves. We're always uh, eager to hear what's going on around uh, around your house. An interesting call uh, from a friend of mine, Chris, a realtor. A uh, friend of mine, and this is fairly common. I haven't talked about it. I don't know if I've talked about it at all on the air. Uh, my friends have got a new $500 kitchen faucet, which is must I haven't seen it. must be pretty fancy schmancy kind of faucet. He said, we put it in, a handyman put it in, and now the hot water doesn't. We have cold water, but no hot water. And I ran across that, and this is a common thing in older homes. When you disturb plumbing, you know, you... you uh, even though we have great water here uh, in the Rocky Mountains, there's always a little debris. There's always some little contamination. Over the years, that can build up in the little shutoff under your kitchen sink where you turn the water off. Uh, you, things get trapped in there. And so when you replace a faucet, you put all new pipe, the, the, the riser it's called, that goes from the shutoff to the faucet. That's usually new. When you, and and uh, But when you disturb that gunk that's in that shutoff valve, it gets trapped in the new faucet, and that's very common when you put in new plumbing fixtures. The way you overcome that is to is to turn a coffee can upside down and kind of take the faucet apart and run water into it till it's clear. Well, obviously, this guy didn't do that. So um, the way to overcome that, it's kind of tedious, but I did it at my own house, is to take a piece of wire, and before you put it all back together, you shove the wire up and down the hot and cold pipes from under the kitchen sink up right through the faucet and you'll see a lot of material come out of there little dark uh, chunks of stuff that you don't want to think about but is in the water uh, you run thousands if not tens of thousands of gallons through a faucet and so material is going to get caught in there so when you disturb any old plumbing shutoffs uh, the, the maybe your toilet you're replacing uh, a valve in the toilet be prepared for a little disturbance and some clogging that you can get rid of fairly easily. by have to be patient, run a wire through there, and you'll see all the gunk <laughs> come out. And um, so that's, you know, if, you, if you're replacing plumbing fixtures, be prepared for a, a minor plug-up. It's easy to overcome, but it's usually not that the new fixture is bad, the new faucet's bad. It's because you have old piping, which gets stuff in it. Gunk, is crud's a better word than gunk, isn't it? Something like that. Anyway, not caca. That would not. We wouldn't want. We wouldn't want to use that one. Anyway, so the, I, my buddy, I talked to him on the way down to the station today. Hopefully, he's going to get that squared away and won't call me. Oh, gee, oh, he doesn't call me to crawl under there. Getting under a kitchen sink, it's like getting under the dashboard of your car. It's just not something I'm prepared for. You know, just if that pops up in your email. You know? What's that? Well, if that if that situation happens to yeah. pop up in your email. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Anyway, kitchen sinks are hard to work on because you're you're in a space that you can't really feel and you can't really see all that all that well. Although um, I hope you have one of these at home, you can get one of those minor like, like a like a miner's flashlight. Only it's a strap-on uh, rubber strap with a little LED light on your forehead. Those are really really very handy, especially places like kitchen sinks or under a car dashboard. You know, I I used to get under my car dashboard all the time. I don't know, I was replacing fuses or uh, whatever I was doing under there. Not not so much anymore. It, it, your your cars, um, if you're going to get them worked on, it usually is not a civilian thing. It's it's usually a 
these days a mechanics right thing to do. Um, not to mention the electric circuit boards and stuff. Like I that. know. I re- I used to. I had an old Studebaker. I replaced the voltage regulator and uh, generator was easy to replace and batteries. Of course, now you lift up the hood and you don't even know what you're looking at. It could be a, a, a 727 for all you know. The way things just don't look the same when you open the hood, do they anymore? Moving on, uh, but uh, you know the technology is here to stay. I guess. Well, let's see. Let's get back to reality here 719-473-1240 oh i've got a this is interesting you know me i'm not a big electric vehicle fan for lots of reasons i read a story about a canadian guy i should have printed it out i was in the middle of the week who got a new electric vehicle for about 60 ish canadian about forty-seven thousand american and he somehow he damaged the undercarriage the the battery protector underneath his electric vehicle and ding the battery and so the dealer says you got to replace the battery because there's a risk of fire and the battery costs as much as the car cost to replace the battery so that's reason number 416 why not an electric vehicle fan but anyway uh this is from the wall street journal today electric mandates have california truckers charging overtime uh, this is an interesting little, and you won't be surprised at any of this. Electric trucks supposed to save the world, but they're wasting the uh, office and the uh, resources of IMC Trucking, a Tennessee-based trucking company that carries target cargo rather to and from U.S. ports and rail yards. After January 1st, 2024, just around the corner, any new big rigs that they register in California have to be powered by hydrogen or electricity. Um, already planning the logistics for electric trucks has added 10 to 15 hours a week to the to the typical workload. California has nowhere near enough charges to service the electric semi trucks that'll soon be on the road. Uh, the IMC executive said he can't risk a truck running out of battery, getting towed only 10 miles costs 600 bucks. So th- this this article follows uh, a trucker named Ariel Ramos, who's a trucker for IMC. He left IMC at 5.30 one morning, drove nine miles south to a charging station near the port of Long Beach, where he remained for an hour, charging the battery from 54 to 90%. He then made his first haul, picking up a container and delivering it to a customer. A second haul started around noon, and that was it for the day, just two hauls in a diesel truck. Mr. Ramos said he could have made six hauls instead of two, but even the second one required another visit to a charging station 33 miles out of the way and another hour and a half charging. you believe this? A diesel semi can fuel up in 15 minutes and drive a 1,000-mile round trip from L.A. to Reno, for instance, before needing to refuel. Making the same trip, Mr. Ramos' electric truck would have to make six recharging stops, 90 minutes each. Fewer deliveries mean $400 a less month in commission for Mr. Ramos. After dropping the load at a customer's warehouse southeast of Irvine, California, Mr. Ramos returned to Compton, arriving back at the office at 6.30 p.m. with the battery 62% charged. He'd only driven 248 miles since the start of the day in this crazy electric semi-truck. Mr. Stanley, the operations leader, made some calculations accounting for higher labor costs, inefficiencies. IMC had lost $310 by operating this electric semi instead of a diesel truck. Uh, to even to break even uh, rather than take the loss they'll have to charge a surcharge in each delivery which means consumers will have to ultimately pay for that 
and the beat goes on, as they say. So he made two trips, Mr. Ramos did, instead of six trips in his stupid electric semi truck. Can you, it's just unbelievable. All these unintended consequences, people that pass these rules. I can't, I didn't realize it was that quick. January 1st, 2024, any new semis in California have to be electric. They never say then what? And there's the then what? Things are going to start costing, costing more. Just takes your breath away, doesn't it? 719 473 I had to read that to you because it's the whole thing is so silly as opposed to just let us do the diesel trucks and life will be fine and uh, it, it things the life will go on. The earth will keep spinning and uh, we're not headed for catastrophe. We're just headed for higher costs. And uh, that's very predictable, is it not? Let's see, time for a break, and we're going to uh, have some great emails I want to uh, read to you this week that is really some uh, very eclectic topics here that uh, we'll get to right after this. Right here on Around the House, 719-473-1240. Well, I want to talk to you about a good plumber. That If, you, if you're if you tired of people you know coming to your house doing work, and then there's a sticker shock when you get the bill, that won't happen with three amigos Plumbing, a fun name for a seriously professional plumbing company. Honest, upfront pricing by veterans. It's a veteran-owned company, by the way. Uh, these are the guys I want you to call because there's no surprises when you get the bill from Three Amigos. Whether uh, it's just a simple drippy faucet or toilet issue or a new water heater, call Three Amigos Plumbing. They special One of their specialties is drain cleaning. They'll give you a free fiber optic TV camera look at your sewer line when you have them clean it. So... Avoid catastrophes uh, when it comes to the sewer at your house, especially in an older home. Call Three Amigos Plumbing, 719-597-6763. They carry Bradford White and Ream water heaters, the best brands as far as I'm concerned. So give them a call. Honest upfront pricing, Three Amigos, 719-597-6763. Things break around the house. That's why there's the Around the House program with Ken Moon. Give him a call now at 719-473-1240. That's 719-473-1240. Chris Moyer, my producer, is a great researcher, and he found me a couple of articles. They're both from Canada about EV batteries. One one guy bought a 2017 Leaf. Looks like he bought it new. He got a $14,000 government rebate. I thought our $7,500 rebate here was excessive. So all of his neighbors are helping pay for his new car. Well, he's in line for a a new battery, 17th in line. uh, He's 15th in line, nationwide queue for replacement batteries. Doesn't have one yet. But the one I remember uh, is this one from Vancouver. A guy owns a 2022 uh, iconic five by Hyundai, um, and and this is something that uh, if you're going to buy an electric vehicle, kind of keep this in mind. The the iconic five runs for fifty five grand. That's what the car costs. Replacement battery would have cost over sixty thousand more than the car itself, according to the Motor Mouth. I guess it's a site for a Canadian YouTube a YouTube motor, video. Motor, yeah, yeah. Motor. The situation yeah. revolves around a potential warranty being voided by suspected damage to the battery protection cover. That's what I remember. The insurer wrote the car off. Uh, the Motor Mouth people felt the damaged battery protection cover didn't look that bad. That a replacement should have been covered by insurance. The crux of the situation. Uh, is, is revolves around Hyundai Canada um, that our battery costs are in line with most batteries of this size and output regardless of manufacturer. 
That said, when these instances came to Hyundai, we do try to work with the consumers based on their circumstances to find a reasonable solution. Upon inspection, the battery case was impacted, so they thought it would rupture things and would be a fire and so on. But the battery costing more than the car is pretty interesting. Um, let's see. That's about all. Anyway, these batteries are terribly expensive. I, I'm surprised at that at that story because i've been reading chris and you i think we've talked about this before i've heard routine 15 ish up to twenty thousand for a new ev battery uh in a car but 60 uh more than the car itself uh sounds uh, uh, a little excessive wouldn't you say anyway well i mean the possibility of you know with the um with the of course when you have to go through trade um getting the the battery from like exporting the battery from wherever the the, the batteries probably made. china probably china yeah. i suppose so the story isn't over yet but that's the initial quote for the battery and he may get some relief from the insurance company and, and from canada uh hyundai of canada but anyway one more reason not to buy an electric vehicle you know someday they may be okay but i think getting on board now not a good idea and you know the the, the other hidden part of this we don't talk about as much as we should is these uh, the the rare earth metals the lithium cobalt and things that go into electric vehicles the mining is done overseas where we can't really see it child labor even some implications of of other kind maybe slave labor just terrible stories from kids in, in cobalt mines in the congo i've seen those kind of stories a lot of pollution caused by processing and making these batteries so environmentally we may be shifting it to overseas but it's still uh we don't we don't know if these electric vehicles are really saving anything other than making us feel good about buying an ev but uh, i think hybrid's the way to go we have a combination ev and gas engine where they you can charge the battery going downhill and charge when you're braking those sorts of things hybrids are a little expensive but they have they are are a, a gas backup a gas engine backup and they do the the mileage numbers on e, uh, hybrids are really good evs in the purest sense wouldn't i wouldn't be interested in one how are you going to take a long trip you don't know where the charging stations are and you run the heater you run the wipers you run the radio and who knows how long batteries will last especially in the in the winter time but battery costs if you're going to have to replace a battery sounds like it's very onerous so no thanks maybe someday but not not for now. As a matter of fact, you do some research on this. About 120 years ago, in the turn of the 20th century, there were electric vehicles around. Of course, the battery technology was fairly primitive in those days, but um, that didn't last very long. Gasoline is so much more convenient and has much more energy density, doesn't it, than uh, than electric, uh, than, than battery-powered cars. But uh, maybe that'll change someday. Not for me. Not right now. Anyway, 719-473-1240. We've, I think we've exhausted EVs for today, haven't we, Chris? Back to the um, to the uh, kind of the meaty stuff here on around the house. Don says, we're updating our bathroom, wondering about a jetted tub. We've heard they can uh, be nasty and harbor bacteria. What do you think? Well, uh, let me start by saying jetted tubs and hot tubs, to me, are in the same category. If you really talk to people, they go out and buy a hot tub, put it on the patio, and most people i've talked to now this isn't true nothing is true for all cases uh, we don't we don't we're, we find we're not using the hot tub as much as we thought we would 
and chemically it's hard to keep it in in specs uh adding in to chemicals and keeping the ph and everything because people don't use hot tubs as much as they thought they were going to and the same thing with jetted tubs i've heard people say the jetted tub it sounds like a great idea we got arthritis and we sore muscles and that kind of thing we just don't use it as much as we thought we would because showers are so much more convenient so don you may think you want a jetted tub but you really kind of analyze it maybe talk to some other people who've had a jetted tubs and see if they use it all that much because if you don't use a jetted tub a couple times a week at least once a week but two times is better then you do get bacteria and dirty uh, pipes and pumps and things now there are self-draining I think American Standard make, makes one of self-draining jetted tubs where after you use it, the hoses and pump drain back into the tub to go down the drain. Traditionally, <clears throat> that is not the case. And so we get skin cells, hair, body oils, soap scum, and things lying in, in the parts of the tub you can't see. And this can show up as chunks of, of material floating in the tub. So the secret is to use them uh, often, once or twice a week for sure, uh, but, um, you know, I, I would just, if you're going to remodel the bath, I would just get an oval-shaped acrylic soaking tub uh, to just run a lot of hot water in there um, and, and, and just soak in that. Uh, make sure you got a 50-gallon water heater. You may want to even get a second water heater. You can put water heaters uh, back-to-back, and, and uh, you can put them uh, in tandem or back or front to back uh, in terms of preheat and then a final heat so you in a big soaking tub fill it right up and not run out of hot water so uh, i i just think if you're going to spend all that much for a jetted tub i would really analyze whether it's something you're really going to use all that much and you might want to talk as i say some friends or relatives that have them see how much they use them but most in i shouldn't say most but many cases you don't use it as much as you thought you were going to so but again, the secret with these tubs is to use them often. If you haven't used the tub in a week or two or three, you might want to throw in some dishwashing liquid and run it for a while, run the pump, fill it up with water, run the pump for a while to get all that scour, all that material out of the hoses and the pumps, and then drain it and sort of start over. But that's kind of the story on um, on jetted tubs as far as I'm concerned. You don't use them as much as you maybe thought you were going to. 719 473 1240 here's a real uh, this is from uh from guy i have uh, this is interesting it won't apply to many of you but it's uh, historically it's a little interesting i have the old asbestos siding on my house need some replacement pieces any ideas where i can get them i'll bet you have that old cement asbestos shingles uh that were very popular after world war ii they we mined a lot of asbestos to put in shipping liberty ships come to mind uh to put in the holes of of uh ships for world war ii so there's a lot of leftover asbestos after the war so we turned that into cement asbestos siding it was very very hard like i mean i mean just almost like a a, a cement board so to speak but there was asbestos in it and they were it was very popular as i say in the in the 40s and into the 50s problem is it has asbestos in it so you can't find any replacements uh you can get an all wood version of what looks like usually the cement asbestos siding a couple of characteristics it had pre-drilled holes for the nails because you couldn't really drill through this stuff it also had grooves in it to uh, kind of simulate 
kind of shingles, kind of a shingle look to it. So if you go to a lumber yard, you may be able to special order some wood pieces to go in uh, to replace what you have now. You paint over everything, and it'll kind of blend in. So the the wood pieces with the uh, sh- of shingles, siding shingles with grooves in them, will be a pretty close uh, match. If you have it on your house, you just leave it alone. It's outdoors, so there's no risk of ex- exposure to asbestos inside the house. Uh, any um, pieces that might be broken off or chipped. Uh, could release fibers into the air, so you want to throw that away, seal it up in plastic bags and this kind of thing. But you got to, as long as this stuff stays painted regularly, it's it's okay. Uh, you really don't need to to worry about it because, it, as I say, it's outside. You don't see much of this anymore. Most of the stuff now, that oldest cement asbestos siding, has been covered up uh, by now. So anyway, that that's a good guy. Thanks for that email. It's it's kind of a history of of uh housing in a way world war ii impacted us for a while uh in terms of what the leftover asbestos and and also uh material that went into wiring and that kind of thing uh so this is one of those examples we found out asbestos is not all that good for us so you want to keep it well sealed cover it over don't disturb it that's the deal with asbestos whether it's inside the house or outside with this old siding 719 473-1240 is our phone number. We have live email at aroundthehouse.com. We'd love to have you check in with us here on the program. We'll be right back after uh, we take a break, our bottom of the hour break, right here on Around the House. Maybe you're like a lot of families, you know, because of the uncertain interest rate picture and maybe you want to stay where you are, you're thinking about moving. But if that's the case, you might want to spiff up the outside of your house by calling Dutch's Home Improvement. New siding, new windows will really make your house look younger than its actual uh, actual age. And you save energy with the new siding and new windows. Save energy summer and, and winter. If you have old windows that are tired, maybe they're old metal or wood windows, you want to get rid of them, get some new energy-efficient windows from Dutchess. The, they carry only the best brands. They have the best installers in town. How do I know that? Well, because they've been around over 30 years. Dutchess is a name I know you've heard. Uh, they do windows, doors, patio covers, and siding. So give them a call, 719-392-1369, or go to dutchesshomeimprovement.com. Uh, They're fully licensed and insured, of course, and have a wonderful commitment to customer service. You can't do better. Dutch's Home Improvement. Siding, windows, patio covers. Give them a call. 719-392-1369. This video can be so confusing. Let Ken Moon walk you through it on Around the House. Give him a call now at 719-473-1240. That's 719-473-1240. 23 minutes before the hour on Around the House. Anyway, good to have you with us here on the Around the House program. Uh, you can give us a call at 719-473-1240. I want to shout out, to, we haven't done this yet on the show today, Chris, our Casper listeners on KTWO. I've been on uh, about 25 years, I think, something like that in Casper. We're so grateful uh, that they're an affiliate of the program. Uh, and your time shifted up there. You're on at 4 o'clock. And, of course, we do it live at 1, uh, 1 p.m. Mountain Time. So you want to call in from Casper, it's 1 o'clock to get on the on the air but hey to all the folks up there in wyoming i hope you're getting through the winter okay wyoming has some interesting winters you might you might say is our buddy john who calls from near uh cheyenne uh, always talks about anyway casper good to have you 
with us here on the program. Uh, this is from uh, this, uh, this this is from Elizabeth. Uh, she says about her garage door. I have to hold the button on my garage door opener until it gets to the top or the bottom. Maybe uh, what's going on? Can I fix this myself? It sounds to me, Elizabeth, like you've bumped one of those sensors. If you maybe you know, you're moving the garbage cans or something, uh, those little infrared sensors near the near the floor, uh, the bottom of the door opening. If they're out of, of alignment, then they don't like that, and the opener thinks there's an obstruction of some kind um and um you need to re-aim those that's typically what what's going on if it's all of a sudden like this sometimes this can be caused by sunlight but it's usually on the down uh, cycle only you know the the uh your doors open and the sun is at a certain spot uh as it's moving um uh, back from north uh, from uh, south to north Sometimes you can get a little ray of sunshine in there that'll that'll interfere with those sensors. That's not as common. Uh, you'll notice at the same time of day, but it's usually after the door's been open. But if you have to hold the button in both directions, it's because those sensors aren't lined up. Now you can you might want to look at the instructions that came with your garage door opener and how to re-aim those sensors. They're fairly easy. Sometimes you can just grab a hold of it and bend it just a little bit in one direction or the other. To get it lined up there's a little adjustment screws you can loosen the bracket and kind of tweak it a little one way or the other it doesn't take very much and there's usually a pilot light usually green or red pilot light on the sensors and it can kind of tell you uh, whether it's lined up or not so take a look at the instructions um uh, for that if if it is a sunshine issue if it only happens certain times of the year uh you can do as i did uh, get a chunk of radiator hose, just regular black rubber radiator hose, and stick it on the end of the sensors so it makes like a little tube, like a shadow tube, if you will, to keep the sunshine uh, off of from impinging on the uh, on the sensors. But that's that's kind of a you know that's a last resort kind of idea. I would bet that you bumped it somehow. Uh, maybe one of the kids did, grandkids ran into it with a bicycle or something they just get out of alignment and that's why you have to hold that button it's a safety feature because we don't want the door coming down if there is an obstruction uh, in the way so that yeah thank you for that that's a good email it's you know fairly common you'll have to figure out whether it's sunshine or the actual alignment of the sensors um, um, themselves so there you go let's see what else do i have here oh this is from uh, Jake, I have a humming toilet. There's an old joke. It only hums because it doesn't know the words, but that's a terrible vaudeville kind of joke that I will not mention on the air. Oh, I just did mention it, didn't I, Chris? Anyway, uh, your toilet is humming. It's kind of high-pitched. John says, what do you think's going on? It goes away eventually. Well, it's probably a defective fill valve. Those just go on the fritz. There's a, a fill valve on there with a rubber flapper usually in, inside that gets a hole in it or a tear or some grit or sand caught in it, that that kind of thing. And so it's not closing properly. Um, it's just setting up some harmonic vibrations as typically what's going on. Uh, so you need to replace the fill valve. And when you do that, while you're in messing with the toilet, why not replace the um, flapper valve also? You can find uh, find each one, uh, uh, like a two-pack, on a shrink card 
at the home center. I like the Fluid Master brand, by the way, of a fill valve and a flapper valve on the same card. Buy them both at once. I don't know. I've lost. I haven't priced one in a while. I think they're less than twenty dollars anyway. So uh, that's that's what you do if you're going to mess with the fill valve, which you have to because that's what's going on here. It's on the fritz and causing some high harmonic vibrations. Um, uh, you might as well replace the flapper while you're in there. Then you'll have essentially a, a brand new toilet. Uh, uh, it's like, oh, I hate this. It's kind of a stretched analogy here, like putting a new engine in an old car, so to speak. So that's what's going on. Yeah, I think it's just a bad uh, fill valve that's failing. There's a tear or a, or a hole or a pinhole in it or something like that. So if it's only in one toilet, now if it's in... More than one toilet, you may have a water pressure issue. That's another uh, another thing we could talk about. Uh, you want to know what the and we could you know I, I don't mention this all that often, but the water pressure in your house is is kind of like knowing your personal blood pressure. It's important to know the water pressure, especially if it's too high. So it would be a good idea once in a while to measure the water pressure in your piping in your house with a little pressure valve and. Uh, I, it would. Um, it's easy to do yourself. You can buy a pressure valve, a screw-on pressure valve. Oh, I don't know, ten bucks or so, give or take, at the hardware store, and screw it onto the cold water faucet next to your washing machine, where the hose gets screwed into, and measure the pressure. You want about fifty-five to sixty pounds max in your house. If it's higher than that, then that's where a lot of these plumbing noises come from—the thumps and the humming and the vibration because the water pressure is just too high uh, for the uh, for the valves and for the other components in your plumbing system. So I would make a New Year's resolution to find out what the water pressure is in the house. You may be surprised. It may be too high, and if that's the case, you have to adjust it and, and down to a reasonable level, or you could have a flood in the house, and we can talk about that at, at, at another time. But First thing is to measure the water pressure in your house. You Again, go to the cold water line coming into your washing machine, turn the valve off, unscrew the hose, screw the pressure valve back on there nice and snug, and then turn that valve on, and it'll give you some a reading of whatever it is. And to stabilize that, you, you want to go to a cold water faucet, turn it on and off for a few seconds to just stabilize the pressure. And if it's 60 pounds or less, you're fine. If it's more than that, then you should find the pressure regulator, which is also down near the, usually near the washing machine, the utility room, furnace room, that kind of thing, and adjust the pressure regulator. Uh, that's the little gizmo that uh, modulates and, and lowers the uh, uh, the pressure coming into your house because the pressure out on the water main in your street is very high. You don't want that high pressure in your house. That's what a regulator is for. So if it is too high, there's a screw on top of the regulator. You turn it. To the left, unscrew it, so to speak, to lower the pressure. Turn it to the right to raise the pressure. Uh, and if it's too high, turn that a, oh, about a half turn at a time until the pressure comes down to a reasonable level. So there you go. Um, and that that if it's only one toilet, uh, John, and I think it's, it's just that one fill valve. But if it's in more than one fixture, you get noise, then it's usually a water pressure issue. 719-473-1240. Be back right after this, right here on Around the House.
want to talk to you about Wayne Dalton Sales and Service. A famous name, of course, in garage doors. They have a sale going on right now, 150 off a double or 75 off a single when you mention around the house. They have plenty of doors in stock, and I want you to go down to their showroom because garage doors don't have to look boring. There's some great styles there, traditional, contemporary, wood grain, impression, plank doors at the Wayne Dalton store. So stop by 1847 South Murray right off of fountain boulevard and they're a gold dealer for genie openers now genie has that great door side opener to get rid of all the tracks and all ugly hardware and, and just have a, an opener right there next to the door is very quiet and very modern i think you'll love the new genie openers and of course they're they're wireless have them you can check it out at the wayne dalton sales and service showroom 1847 south murray or call 719-382-9227 trust me garage doors can be a, really a, a architectural feature at your house wayne dalton sales and service 719-382-9227 Got a fix-it problem at your house? Ken Moon is here to help. Give him a call now at 719-473-1240. That's 719-473-1240. Welcome back. Ten minutes before the hour now on the Around the House program. 719-473-1240, as Laura said so eloquently. Here's an email from uh, uh, this is from Tanya. Uh, I think I heard you say use some oil and a plumbing drain to keep the smell out of the house wouldn't it get stuck or harden in there? If you use mineral oil, which is a, about a pint of mineral oil, you'll be okay. It's really lightweight oil. This is the same stuff that when I was a kid, our moms would use it if we had some GI issues, I think. Uh, you know, our tummies were kind of plugged up, as we say. It's uh, uh, something you didn't want to have happen in your life. <laughs> a teaspoon of mineral oil. Uh, and that's not what you want, but it's light, so it floats out of the way if if water needs to get in that drain. So here's here's the thing: uh, floor drains, like in the furnace room, under the washing machine, maybe in the upstairs second floor of your house, they tend to. There's a little trap underneath that holds water, tends to evaporate, and then you let the the sewer gas smell can leak into the house. So the mineral oil, you dump it in, and it will seal the trap. It won't evaporate. But if water needs to get into that drain, it'll push the oil out of the way. You don't want to use, I had a woman call my show years ago that used, I don't know, canola or some kind of vegetable oil. And that stuff, if it sits around, gets sticky, kind of hardens up and congeals. So she had a heck of a time getting rid of it. So that, you know, mineral oil only, not just any old oil you have around the house. It works pretty well. It really does. It seals the trap. You don't have to worry about it. Otherwise... You, you need to add water to a trap about once a week. And this is a, you don't want to do this in the bathroom. Do it only in the floor drains, as I say, in the utility room. Um, uh, if you have a bathroom that doesn't get used very much, it's important once a week to go down there and flush the toilet, run uh, water in the tub or shower. Uh, oh, a couple of quarts of water will seal that trap. And just to make, and the reason you don't want to use the oil in there is because you want to exercise the valves, the uh, fill valve in the toilet, the hot and cold valves in the tub or shower, and the hot and cold valves in the lavatory. So once a week, you got to turn that and fill those traps up and exercise that those plumbing fixtures. Uh, it's pretty important um, uh, to to uh, to do that, as I say, weekly. For a, maybe you got a guest bath that people just don't use that much maybe you you just have um uh you, you maybe it's downstairs in the basement i have a similar three-quarter bath in my in my uh, basement that i just it just doesn't get used all that much 
So I have to make a point of going down there and and um, and exercising uh, those uh, plumbing fixtures. It's very pretty important to do that. Okay, seven one nine four seven three twelve forty. Kelly says the ceilings in my house are the sprayed on type. I think you mean acoustic, maybe popcorn type ceilings. They have a lot of dust on them. How do I prepare them for painting? Um, if if you'd like, you could vacuum the ceiling with a wand extension, like a little soft furniture. Uh, brush uh, tool um, it'll remove the most obvious dust motes and cobwebs but i wouldn't spend a lot of time on it honestly if you're going to paint that ceiling um, it'll just cover up any pollution or dust layer you have on there uh, and this is a difficult job best left to a professional i don't think you want to uh, uh, tanya cap uh, cap do this yourself i think you uh, did I say Tanya? I think it's Kelly. Is a yeah, it's Kelly. Anyway, um, y- you don't want to do this yourself. You want to hire a professional painter when you have these popcorn ceilings. People ask me all the time about removing a popcorn ceiling, scraping it off, uh, and is that a good idea? Well, it's theoretically it's a good idea, and a lot of people do that. It's very messy. It's I think it's a better idea to put a new coat of paint because it'll brighten up that acoustic ceiling. It won't look as dingy as it looks now when it has a layer of dust and kind of pollution uh, on it. Uh, It's much less invasive, so to speak, to paint it than it is to scrape it off. Now, if you want to scrape it off, you gotta got to wet it down. you got to, you know, and take a protect all the furniture and carpet and so on in the house. You can scrape that off with big, uh, big scrapers after you've relaxed the acoustic layer with, some moisture uh, spray on water with a little detergent in it and that's fine but i think i like your approach here kelly of going ahead and painting this use a good acrylic latex satin finish paint interior latex paint cut a little bit with some warm water like 25 percent and just spray it on it'll brighten that ceiling up it'll blend it in with the surroundings it won't be as obvious Uh, as a, a popcorn ceiling ages as it accumulates that dust and pollution layer, it, it, it you notice it more because there's more shadowing in it, and it it just it it doesn't look uh, uh, fresh and new, and uh, and it, it doesn't make the room uh, look it's dingy. Let's face it, it's dingy, and you want to eliminate that uh, dingy look, and the new bright paint will really help a lot. I think that's a lot better idea than uh, trying to get rid of it i know some people just don't like the acoustic uh, ceilings because uh, they're but listen if you're in an older house in an older neighborhood uh, acoustic ceilings or popcorn ceilings are not a surprise we don't do them anymore but it's kind of expected so you know i would probably just paint it and live with it and uh, and and not worry about doing a lot of cleaning before you do paint it but i would hire a professional painter to do that because it's it's really uh, a complicated job and you want those guys to come in there with their drop claws and cover everything over and get it done quickly we're gonna especially if i mean if you have a case like a popcorn uh, ceiling where if they had asbestos in it from the 70s then you definitely would want a professional handling that you bet it's yeah and if your house is built before the late uh, let's say 77 or earlier, it may have asbestos in it. So it's best just to cover it up. I mean, you can remove it and seal it in plastic bags and all that, but it's, it, it's, you just don't know if you're getting asbestos in your indoor air environment. That's a good a reminder 
uh, Chris. And most of these popcorn houses are in the 70s. That's when it was really popular. As a matter of fact, in the early 70s, I used to build houses in the early 70s, we would put sparkles in it. Do you, have you ever seen that? little little? I think they took the tinsel you put on Christmas trees and chopped it into very fine pieces so the ceiling would sparkle in the light. It was good for about the first month, and then it got looking kind of boring. And it was Probably right around those times of those disco balls. Exactly. Stuff. Yeah, exactly. And And dark trim and dark paint and so on. And colored plumbing fixtures, that was all part of that same scene. Uh, seems like a long time ago because it was a long time ago anyway. But yeah, sparkles. I saw a house well, two or three months ago. I did a home inspection in a house uh, way up on one of the hills above Flintridge Drive that had a sparkly ceiling. The sparkles were still there, which tells me since the uh, late 70s, the house had never been decorate, redecorated or painted, which is kind of mind-blowing if you think about it but we thought that was pretty sexy back in the old days it turns out guess what it wasn't <laughs> anyway that's all she wrote for the program uh some good calls today a lot of good uh email chris moyer thanks as always for your help in the control room we will uh we'll wrap it up uh we uh hope you'll have a great new year and a safe uh and sane holiday we don't want anybody drinking and driving of course that goes without saying but i'll say it anyway so listen uh, you have a good one we'll see you next week same time same station during the week aroundthehouse.com if you want to email me otherwise i'll see you next time god bless right here on around the house